One of the beauties of life is that over time, we collect special ideas from cherished people. Through deep connections with friends, colleagues, and mentors, we become better people. Some of us even become referred to as wise. Wisdom is not something mysterious. Wisdom doesn't come from contemplating life on a mountaintop. Real wisdom comes from a unique combination of thievery and sharing. Wise people are like Robin Hood. They steal ideas from people who are rich and great ideas, and then they share those riches with others. Today, we're talking with Dr. Jan Osborne, the person in my life who I have stolen the most from and who has taught me how to give it away. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Frederick Buskey. The goal of this podcast is to help improve the life and leadership of assistant principals. This podcast complements APEX, the Assistant Principal Acceleration Program, but you certainly don't need to be an APEX member to find value in the podcast. Today, I'm joined by a very, very special guest, Dr. Jan Osborne, the superintendent of the Putnam County Educational Service Center in Ottawa, Ohio. Jan has been helping me become a wiser person for the last 30 years, and he's here with us today to help us all grow. Welcome, my special friend and mentor. Well, thank you, Frederick, uh, and you're truly a special friend to me also, and uh, what kind words. Thank you very much. Earned words. <laughs> and we also have another very special guest on today, Mara Busky, who is the inclusion strategist at Strategic Leadership, and you probably know her from podcasts and emails. Mara, yeah. we're so glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for letting me join in on this special conversation today. Yeah, and it's a special conversation, and we are going to make sure this is actually a special show. I was recording episode 88 the other day, uh, yesterday, and I realized that 88 is getting close to 100, and I thought, what can we do for an incredible show to celebrate our 100th episode? And I looked at my calendar and remembered that Jan was coming on today. So, Jan, you didn't know you were walking into this, but you are helping us celebrate our 100th episode, and I can't really think of a way that's any more fitting than that. Well, thank you, Frederick, and uh, congratulations, and no pressure, right? If I'm on the 100th show, it better be a pretty good one, right? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> so can you tell us briefly how you got to where you are today? Oh, I uh, I don't know how to even start there. Uh, I've been very fortunate, very blessed. Um, I tell people I've made very few decisions in my life. Other people have guided me, led me and uh, helped me uh, see something in myself that I never saw. And I get a little choked up when I say that. Um, actually, I'll, I'll bore you with two stories. Maybe uh, when I was in school, my fifth, sixth grade teacher followed me into high school. And she said, tell you what, uh, when I retire, you become a teacher and come back and take my, my job. And I just thought that was so cool. The teacher told me that. And uh, I'm first generation college graduate. Um, I don't think my parents would mind me saying this. My parents were depression children. They, uh, my mother got to maybe sophomore year. My dad dropped out as a senior. Uh, college, what the college experience would be was not in our vocabulary. Another lady, a 
4-H person said, Jan, why don't you go to college? Uh, guidance counselor. So I um, thought, well, they see something, maybe I ought to try it. And my first job, I went back and uh, I done. I uh, volunteered at the Old County Board at that time, which is now the ESC. When I graduated, came back to the office and the county superintendent guided me in my first position, asked me to teach special ed. I wasn't even sure what it was, but uh, I was a social studies major, but uh, it's not a good job uh, interview skill to have. Say, yeah, I'll do it. I don't know what it is. And he uh, said, well, I don't know what it is. So brand new, if you take some courses, we'll hire you. So I had that mentor. I went back, talked to my home school and my high school principal is not a superintendent. And he said, go get your master's. So I did that. Took me back to my first contact with the county superintendent. He said, um, you want to be the supervisor? Sure. What's that? And so I just, uh, you know, people, my, my uh, superintendent, Mr. Brown, said, go get your master's. Come with me. I'll, I'll get you started. So that's a long explanation to say, um, I don't know where I'm at. I would just say I'm a, at, a, at a place that I was guided to by people that took the time to see something in me that I wasn't seeing. And, and uh, that's, I tell people I got physically 14 miles from where I was uh, raised and uh, so I'm a rural person and uh, enjoy every moment uh, working in an educational service center. Mm. Thanks for sharing that. So we always like to start with celebrations. What are you celebrating today? Well, I'm just celebrating the opportunity to uh, not just, I'm celebrating today is a great day because I have the chance to be alive and make a difference in somebody's life. Every day is a special day, as we both know. Yeah, every day we have that opportunity, whether we choose to embrace it or not. So you've been reading my stuff for a while and been a great supporter, and I appreciate that because there are days that are lonely and you don't hear from people and you seem to always reach out at the, at the right moment. But the... The kind of strategic leadership model has been purpose, problems, progress, and people. And I've known for a long time or felt for a long time that I needed to shift because I always begin with purpose. But then I say, you know, the purpose and problems and progress are important because that helps us recover the time to actually focus on the people. And that's that's what's important. And so I'm really thinking about kind of spinning my wheel so that people are at the top. And I knew we were having this interview today. And so I was kind of reflecting on you and reflecting on what was happening with my model. And it, it really hit me that I think it is people before purpose. And, and when those words came into my head, and then I thought about you, I think that's really the big lesson that you've been trying to teach me for 30 years. And we're going to talk about a lot of the little lessons, but everything, when I put it all together, it all speaks to people before purpose. And it took me 30 years to figure it out, Jim, but I finally made it. Well, I'm very proud of you, Frederick. I think you figured it out before 30 years. Uh, you were well on your way when we first met. Uh, we all grow, that's for sure. I, I just, without... Without people, we have no purpose. Yeah. Right. And, and I remember when you 
offered me the job as special ed coordinator. And I think I'd taught three years of special ed. Now I had a great professor to prepare me. <laughs> I took <laughs> half my classes from you, but uh, I remember standing in your office and saying, Jan, I don't, I don't understand all the laws and, you know, I don't know all that stuff. And, and you said to me, it's special education is not about laws. It's about people. And it still took me a long time to figure that out. Um, but you just, you had it even back then, 30 years ago, you understood. Well, again, thank you. And, and again, I, I don't know how we become what we become. I've listened to your intro and, and I, th I think part of it is, is our willingness to be open and to look beyond what our first thoughts are, our, our first needs and our wants. I think the second thing is to have the opportunity to be around, as you used the term, wise people and caring people that, again, want to help younger people grow. And then sometimes it's situational. Sometimes a situation in going back to one of your recent emails and thoughts is uh, something that looks as a negative situation puts us in a creative area that we figure out how to do something differently. I think in many respects, uh, we prepare for these jobs and not just jobs, but this opportunity every day, but we don't celebrate those. We remember the big times that were very successful. I was going to say the word win, but that's not really appropriate. But we remember when it was very, you know, significant uh, activity, a significant experience for everybody involved. But yet it's like, your, your sports background, it's, it's preparation, it's its practice. And, you know, I, I'm smiling because I don't know if you're going to bring up the three things I ask you to do as a new employee, but part of it is being a good listener. Yeah, took me a while to get that. <laughs> well, people are still reminding me to listen sometimes. <laughs> so I think we're going to break this episode into two parts. Um, Part one, I'm going to share what I, my favorite, I refer to them as Janisms, those, those nuggets that I remember word for word. So we're going to break those down in part one. And then in part two, I'm going to ask you to just share kind of some of those things that maybe you think I missed. Mari, did you want to jump in? I'm good. I'm, I'm smitten just listening. <laughs> okay. Learning a lot already. So every July, I republish the 10 most important things that I learned from other people. And the first three of those are things that I learned from you, Jan. Uh, and I want to, I'm going to lump the first two pieces together. So the first one is everyone deserves respect, period. And the second one is everyone is doing the best that they are capable of in that moment. And I remember one day, I probably a Friday, because we spent a lot of Friday afternoons together. And anybody that's out there listening that wants to grow and learn from their principal or superintendent or whoever, take the time to go in Friday afternoon when everybody else is, you know, run out of the school or run out of the office, take time because that leader is probably still there working late on a Friday. And that time is just golden. Um, but I'd gone in, I think on a Friday afternoon and I was had a rough week with one of our parents 
and was complaining and you just stopped me. And, and you said, Frederick, do you think that person got out of the bed in the morning saying, I'm going to be a bad parent or I'm going to be an angry parent? And I just stopped. And, and you said, they're doing the best they can. Everybody is doing the best they can in that moment. And the, the power in that was that I could stop judging people when you understand that people just deserve respect because they're people and everybody's doing the best they can. Now I don't have to judge, which means now I can actually listen and I can be thinking about how I support those people. So that's the way I remember it. I'm going to shut up and let you kind of uh, add to the story or add to it. I, you know, I think you did a tremendous job explaining and I don't know if I can even add to it. But, uh, you know, the example you gave and experiences my life is one of the things I've done is be quick to judge people. You know, I've, I've done my fair judging. And then and after I judge them, I start rationalizing why I'm right and why they're wrong. And then I forget why they're there. And then, um, you know, I, I feel like I have to get a, uh, on a platform and, and tell why I'm right. And the reality is they didn't come in there to get my feedback about them as a person. They came in with a concern about their child. And that's the first thing we have to remember. They're there about their child. They live with their child 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We get to see them 30, 35 hours a week of that entire 668 hours. And again, uh, you know, it's the old adage, walk a mile in their shoe. If we, I always tell people also, never tell someone, I know what you're going through, like bereavement or something. I oftentimes have people say, oh, I know what you're going through. And I, I don't say it, but I look at them, I think, no, you don't. Unless you've been through this very same situation, there's no way you can even have any idea what I'm going through. So I've taken those moments, those experiences, and tried to change myself to do what I want other people to do. I want them to be honest. I want them to be, first, a very good listener. I'll say that more times than anyone was here during this podcast. And, and be open that we don't have the answers. And I, I'm jumping around on you here. I, I think of so many great experiences my brother was telling me like what do you educators call it when uh, uh, another kid helps another kid well some people call it cheating he said in business we call it collaboration if someone's got 50 percent of ideas when else the other 50 it's 100 percent we got success so experiences like my brother jed gave me and other people that we've you know experiences we've mentioned is is you know, it's, it's shaken me to my core that maybe I don't know as much as I thought I did, and maybe I need to be open, and and maybe the best way I can learn is to be around others and listen to them. Um, I also share with people, uh, you know, go talk to somebody you don't know. Uh, go talk to somebody that's not in your profession. Ask them what they do. Because a lot of times we isolate ourselves because we want affirmation from people. Sometimes we're not really looking for the truth, but we're looking for reinforcement for what we want and what we believe. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I go back that uh, I've learned some of my 
greatest life stories from the most modest, humble individuals with the least amount of material things in her life and a lot of bad experiences. And I see their resiliency and their joy. And I keep saying, I want some of that too. You know, how did you get that positivity? How did you get that optimism? When I look at you and most people would judge, back to the term judge, that they don't have much and they don't have a lot going for them. And the reality is they got a lot going for themselves. I think that's something I never really realized, but as I reflect on all of our many conversations, um, you always do look for the best in people and, and acknowledge that. And, and then I think seek to build from there. And I guess part of that, you know, goes back to people doing the best they can, but recognizing we're not looking for the deficits. We're looking for the strengths. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't totally lose my train of thought. I like to joke around. But as you were saying things, I thought of an experience with a young uh, adult who was in our summer migrant program. We had a referral for a young man uh, five years ago. He was a dropout. He's like 19 and a half years old, credit deficient, didn't know the young man. And they said he wants to come back to school. Well, I think some of us can analyze many schools will be open to take a risk on somebody you don't know out of state dropout but I knew we should do it you know so we did it and yeah you read people and back you get an idea that some people are uh, something about him but this gentleman came in he was articulate he had a lot of energy and he appeared what I call very intelligent and I thought now there's something here why is this young man been dropout so as we went through his experiences, a 30-day summer program, I think we had to recover three or four Carnegie units in that time. And uh, we got him on uh, online courses with a teacher to work with him. And it was apparent to anyone that worked with him, this young man was probably gifted by any definition. So he was tearing up the credit approach and was well on track. Then all of a sudden he got to a course he wasn't familiar with, really wasn't, saw the, see the relevancy and he dropped off and uh, was not on track. So we tried to be creative and try to, you know, think of different ways. And, and it was not a planned thing happened, but we had another volunteer program where there's other peers of, uh, and from uh, Toledo Diocese that came down to work with our younger students but this young lady had extra time to work. So we said, hey, uh, would you mind helping this student with his math? Because I know I couldn't do it. And um, she worked with him. And after the first day, she said, hey, this young man is, is brilliant. She said, he's got a lot to offer. And again, it goes back to communication, conveying to people and, and reinforcement, right? I mean, so he picked up that this young lady, some of the rest of us, but particularly this young lady appeared saw potential in him and so he responded to start working with her and she took a step by step she didn't say you got to do this and or you're out of here that type of thing she's said, let's let's take baby steps and let's do this so it's just like a tv program so he was catching up his last day of the program he had to take his final it was getting almost time for dismissal he's taking his final it's time to get the kids on the buses and so we held up the buses. He still wasn't wasn't graded. So we said, okay, send the buses. We'll get him home. So the teacher did the average of his 
course, he passed and he got his final credit for graduation. And uh, a lot of joy in our hearts. And so I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to drive you home. But before you go home, I'm going to take you to, to the high school. It's going to give you your diploma so you can meet the superintendent and meet the principal. It's going to give you your diploma. So we got there and we're driving. And he, he was pretty quiet. And it was only a 10-mile drive. And he turned to me and said, why did you do it? And I said, why did I do what? He says, why did you believe in me when I didn't believe in myself? And I got choked up. And I said, because someone did the same thing for me. And so I had the opportunity to take him into the high school, introduce him to the superintendent and high school principal was going to give him that diploma. That Those, those are the days that uh, we, we live for where you see people that just need a little extra something. And they do it on their own with encouragement. He, he did the coursework. We didn't do it. But, you know, someone believed in him. And it wasn't just me. It was this young lady. It was three other teachers. It was a secretary. It was a recruiter. That it took two weeks of trying to get him to come around again, to come back to course, to class, finish the course. So it's just, it's amazing how a little extra time and effort can change a person's life. I love that. Um, and I advocate a lot be present and listen. Like that's we underestimate that gift so much. Just be present and listen. It's so powerful. But I think I need to add to that and and believe in the person. Believe in the person you're with and and see that great potential in them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think that's actually it's not on my list of Janisms, but you were quoting, I can't remember if it's which which German philosopher it was, but treat people, don't treat people as they are, treat them as they could be. Some am I yeah. do I have that right? Plus, yeah. Yeah. Treat people as what they could be, they'll rise to the occasion, treat them as they really are, they won't. And uh it's like Goethe, G-O-E-T-H-E. Um sorry I can't pronounce German names, but uh he has numerous wonderful, insightful quotes and the idea that you see something that they're not at and i think that's something in education we all got to do at every level at individual at the district level is see where we really could be or where our students could be or individual students could be and that do that backward planning then but then realize that some of the things that really change are spontaneous but do something and believe in people yeah. yeah. And I think when we're trying to grow people, that's something that we always need to be cognizant of. Um, and no, maybe they don't believe in themselves as much as we believe in them. And so we need to be upfront with that. And then also, like you said, with the young man, even if they have the ability, sometimes it's building those supports. It's it's helping them feel that safety and feel that confidence and building that in. Um, and it's just so critical. Absolutely. I, yes, well said, well said. So the other, the third Janism in that list of um, 10 pieces of wisdom is M equals V divided by E. And I will tell you almost every person that I coach and work with closely, I will come in at some point and they will have that 
taped to their computer or tacked up on a board or written on a whiteboard somewhere. Uh, so anybody that follows me should know this one already. Motivation equals value divided by effort. You are the person I stole that from. Um, and I think you stole it from somebody else, but I would love to hear you talk about M equals V divided by E. Well, you know, I mentioned some things are situational and it's, uh, I was at a meeting Columbus, Ohio, February 1986. Mara, you remember 1986. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Your dad barely remembers 1986. And uh, this professor, we were there for a long day and about mid-afternoon, he brought up this thing, he wrote this, that equation on the board. And of course, it's got our, our attention. And he gave us what M equaled, what stood for, V for value, E for ex expense. And he turned around and says, what you find is motivational because you see greater value than expense is not going to be true of other people. You have to see it through their lenses, their eyes. What really is the expense if you're asking them to do it? Again, don't say, I know what you're going through unless you've been through it. So when we ask our classroom teachers, our custodians, our secretaries, oh, this is no big deal. Well, we don't know that. So when we look at what that value is to us, maybe it's a job promotion, maybe it's a plaque, um, maybe it's a, something that we professionally believe in. We may not, that person that we asked to do that or that group of people may not say, oh, that's a flavor of the month for me. So yeah, again, that was, that's that situational thing is, and I'll give Dr. Donald Street all the credit because he's the one who showed it to me. We could do math, we could, back for out that's a long time ago yeah yeah 1986 and and that's another one that again gets you out of judging people and there's a lot of times when leaders at all different kinds of levels and organizations will say you know why isn't so and so get with the program why aren't they on board and and it's a way to recast the idea of resistance or laziness or whatever as as something that's logical and like you you said flavor of the month if i've been around the block if i've been in education for 10 years i know things come in about a three two or three year cycle so why should i be jumping on the bandwagon and doing all this stuff when it's just going to go away for two to three years and when you do start to put yourself in those shoes and understand that all of a sudden you realize yeah this maybe this isn't the next greatest big thing because it's not going to be here. So that that value that I put a big inflated value on it, some people know better than me, and they realized no, it's not there. And so all of a sudden, yeah, that effort is not worth it. Well, that's that's true, and I don't know if I should say this professionally as I would share with people going into administration is remember why we go into administration. If people are career oriented and, and most are, uh, think about the price people will pay for us to be career oriented and be able to change positions. So if we build things on the back of staff that still stays at the school districts that we leave for our next position, what are we leaving them in a better place a worse place or a, a place that's stagnant and is stuck. Or the fourth thing is, is going more backwards or farther backwards because they're starting to give up hope that someone's going to lead them. Yeah. Yes. And there's a lot of 
turnover right now. I think I just, I don't know if this email, this email will have come out in the daily email by the time we, we air this podcast. Um, but I was talking about uh, vision and that we have this idea that we look to our leaders for vision, but in an era where people are turning over every two to five years, I don't think it's the place of the leader to come into an organization and sell a vision to people and then turn around and leave in two years. And, and that real leadership around vision is where leaders create space for the people that are there doing the work. We create space for them to come together and, and we help surface the values and the things that really are driving people. And we help shape that collaborative vision. And then we can amplify and give voice to that vision and work to create conditions that make it easier for people to do that. I think that's that's what the work around vision should be for leaders, that we're helping others to articulate what they already believe. And give them the opportunity to implement those ideas. Yeah. So we're going to start to wrap up this part one, but I want to go back to one other story. Uh, I remember a time, I think we were in Columbus, maybe at a school board convention or something, and Columbus is the capital of Ohio for listeners that may not know. And there was a big educational protest going on in front of the legislative offices. And I can't remember the cause, but yeah. listeners can guess there are about three things that we're always upset about. But uh, you and I, and I think our treasurer went into the legislative offices and we met with about three different representatives and and it really struck me that the the relationships that you had got us in that door and people listened and whether they agreed or not they were listening and they were developing understanding and depth of knowledge and while there there is a time for outrage there's a time for strong voices conflict and even confrontation there's also the time to invest in relationships on the front end and then to be able to use those relationships to talk to people and to problem solve and to have that influence. So can you just talk a little bit more about, think about developing the long-term relationships and how, just how you look at that when you meet somebody new and you think this is someone I'm probably gonna be working with or interacting in my sphere somewhere for a long time. How do you maintain, how do you even think about that in really developing that vision, that relationship over the long term? Well, there's five experiences of stories that came to my mind. I will remember all five of them. Um, and again, I apologize for giving so many stories, but my, my father was, uh, again, I, as I said, he didn't have formal education, but a very wise gentleman. And, and uh, he told a story about if you want to see how important you are, Put your hand in a bucket of water, pull it out, see how quickly the water fills in where your hand just was. And that's true of life. And uh, dad always said, take your work seriously, but not yourself. Mm. And I think that's so important has been one of the guiding principles for me is to think about my when I where I can make a difference. And uh, again, sometimes we're successful, sometimes we bomb or we're not successful. 
But I think that's that's a big point where we are. Uh, lady mentored to you a little bit, Margaret Gurley, a parent mentor that's well known in Ohio for years of advocacy here and across the nation, helping get 94-142 passed in 1975. Um, she said, uh, make friends when you don't need it. Now, that can mean different things to people. But if I approach you as a legislator and you don't know me and I say, hey, I'm Jan and you got a problem, people are screwing up public education. And this is what, you know, maybe not even tell them what they ought to do. And so it's easier. And then this, again, is generalization. I apologize. Uh, I've watched some people size the room up, to try to find the most powerful, influential person that they could try, now try to become their friend and go talk to them. Uh, reality, everybody's important. Everyone has something we talked about has to offer. Back into making friends is is be patient because the people you're growing up with in the profession will be the leaders in a couple of years. It's amazing how quickly there's changeover in administration and administrative leadership in the local district, statewide. So I think about Margaret, I say make friends when you need it. And if you have a problem, then you can you, know, you get a relationship, trust relationship, communication built. I probably say some difficult things. And, and uh, then uh, the current speaker of Ohio House, uh, Robert Bob Cup, uh, said to us many years ago, he said that, you know, I, I appreciate it when people bring their problems to me and offer suggestions of what how we might solve it. And, you know, I, I know there's time for public display of, of support. But I'm a big believer in rolling up the sleeves, going in the side doors, um, you know, with a purpose in mind and sharing that. And then being honest, you know, agree where you can disagree. There's times like you may not support me on this idea, but I appreciate what you've done over here. And hopefully you can appreciate something I've done and we can agree to disagree and come back later and uh, talk about other things. And it's, again, it's a personal preference. I, I don't think everyone has to have, a, a, you know, win is overused. I think the thing of it is, is you got to look for success, for change, and how that impacts the individual lives for individuals we care about, or don't even know. I just the individuals' lives, and so those are a couple of things that came to my mind out of the five things I was going to try to remember. So we're gonna we're gonna begin to wrap up this first. This is going to be the first episode, and then we'll move into recording the second episode. From what we've talked about to this point in time, what is the one thing that you would like listeners to walk away with? If they can only remember one thing we've talked about. Well, I think we're going to have a long, long pause there. Um, I, I think uh, the first word that came to my mind was humility. And, um, let people give their own definition of that. But I think we start with humility, then it lets us be a good listener, lets us be open to differences, to change. Uh, that's the first thing I would say I'd probably offer to anybody. Yeah, that makes sense. Because if you're humble, then you're not trying to give your answers to everybody, which means you can, you can listen. Uh, Okay, Jan, I'm going to say a, a quick thank you because we're actually going to stay on this call and record the second half of this um, show, but thank you. You're welcome and thank you. You might be able to tell that this episode was recorded back in December before I got my new fancy microphone. 
Splitting this episode into two parts required me to later record an outro for part one, which is what you're listening to right now. In prepping for this outro, I went back and re-listened to some of what you've just heard, and the statement that jumped out at me was this. It's amazing how a little extra time and effort can change a person's life. I would love it if you forwarded this podcast to a friend and encouraged them to listen. I would love it if you emailed me your thoughts about this episode. But more than anything, I would love it if you invested a little extra time and effort into someone. Maybe it's the veteran teacher who's feeling worn out and beaten down, or the early career teacher who's wondering if they're in the right career. Or maybe the instructional coach or other leader who's probably judging themselves more harshly than they need to. If this show's worth listening to, then go do something with what you've heard. Give a little extra time. Give a little extra effort to one person. Go change a life. Cheers.